All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Nathan Bechez, who is the creator of Divinations. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I've been, you know, from afar watching what you're building with Divinations, and as we were just talking about recently, diving in as a paid subscriber and Man, you're you're talking about fascinating stuff, and like I'm very excited to just dive into your thought process with it. But to start, for people that don't know what divinations even is, can you just start there and tell me what are you working on? Sure, yeah, it's a newsletter, uh, and it's all about strategy. So business strategy in the context of startups, bigger companies, even like some kind of more macro stuff, like you know, how does the recession work, and like what's going on with coronavirus uh, recession that's happening, um, and and really the thing that I love to do is just kind of take stuff that feels um, important and complex and make it really uh, engaging to kind of dive through all that complexity and and not really try and oversimplify it too much, but make it so that it it feels fun to sort of absorb all of the information. Um, and so a lot of it is like part, you know, some of it is summarizing or explaining like different company strategies and sort of breaking down the trade-offs that they face and the way they've made choices and how that's sort of shaped their business. And then also some of it is explaining, um, ideas from strategy that you'd learn in like business school and that sort of like academics almost have, uh, come up with that are, that are actually really useful and I think underappreciated in the startup world. So when I hear the word strategy or have heard the word strategy, and if someone asks me to like define strategy or like what's a business strategy, it kind of feels like a very big word and a lot can be packed under it. And it's not the same as like, hey, what's like your KPI for your, you know, for your open rate or click through rate or like what's your revenue? It's like this really like big topic. So I'd love to hear one, how would you decide to, to like focus on strategy? And then secondly, how do you how do you define strategy and how do you, how do you like how are you learning about strategy yourself to to teach us like like it's such a big topic how are you learning to break it down for us because you're doing a great job oh thank you yeah well like it's funny because actually i think it helps for me not to worry too much about like what counts as strategy versus like other aspects of business because ultimately like all aspects of business kind of roll into strategy right it's kind of like at the most basic level, I think if you look at what a company is, um, it's a certain set of actions that get performed, right? And it's a certain set of resources that are had or relationships that are had. And, um, you know, what a company decides to do, what actions it decides to take on is like a theory about the environment. Like if we do this stuff, then the environment will react in this certain way and we'll be able to like profit from it, right? Like the actions we do are cost creating we predict that they will create value for people. And so we'll be able to kind of recoup that value in the form of revenue and that there'll be more revenue that comes in than uh, we spent to do the actions. And so it's like, I think just a really simple thing to think of it as like the company strategy is what the company does. And a lot of companies don't have a very clearly defined strategy. They do sort of like a lot of things and they don't all add up in the best ways. Um, And so I think, I think that's kind of like, the definition of strategy. And so when, when you define it that way, it's not really difficult to um, think about like how to, how to apply it to a company because you can just look at a company and say, okay, well, what do they do? And like, how do their actions 
shape the sort of results that they're seeing? And what are the sort of dynamics in the market that they're operating in and the customers they're serving and the needs they're serving um, that would put them in a better or worse position in the longer run to sustain the ability to profit from those actions versus maybe those actions get sort of like commoditized and everyone can do those actions. And so you really can't make any money doing it. Um, so those are, those are some of the basic questions I think, but um, you know, it's, I think the fuzziness of it is, is like part of what makes it fun. Like the reason I got interested in strategy was because um, I started out really only caring about product and um, I built a couple cool things and like I was a product manager and I was just like very focused on like, what's the thing that you as the end user experience, right? Cause like in a lot of ways that is, I think the most important thing, but I didn't think about that. There's like a bigger system kind of that the product is like one part of, but it's not the entire business. There's a lot of other choices that matter a lot. And sometimes it actually makes sense to sort of sacrifice the ideal product experience in order to have a system that overall is like more sustainable or better fit to the environment. And um, that was that was a new thing for me. And I think I sort of realized that the hardest when a company that I started um, back in 2015 and ran for a couple of years, uh, when it failed, it ran out of cash. And I basically got into strategy as a way to like avoid that mistake again, I guess, and like try and think more holistically about what makes a business succeed or fail rather than just kind of focusing myopically on the product. Yeah, that's a super interesting insight. I, I learned, you know, similarly to you, I, I had a company that I started in 2017, got, you know, raised a little money, had some like decent traction, but it's kind of the same thing. Like I, I didn't think about the whole, the whole thing. I just thought about like growth, 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 but like not necessarily how do you get it or what happens if this happens or what happens if you lose this employee, et cetera. And like, there is more. And, 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 you know, when I'm thinking about my next company, you know, whenever that is, it's like, it, it, I think it's helpful to almost like, well, what, what do you think? Like, do you think going through that experience with your, with your startup, it, it kind of like almost in some capacity was like a, it, like an education that if you wouldn't have had it, like you wouldn't have had the perspective you have now, like, like, I guess, how, how do you think about how that set you up to what you're doing now? with divinations and in the future, like, cause I think about the kind of that for me a little bit, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's what I said. Like I, I kind of realized that I had this perspective on, on what makes a business succeed. That was uh, not very rich. You know, it was kind of, yeah. it was kind it, it was kind of like one dimensional, right. Of like, all you have to do is create mm -hmm. an amazing product experience. And, um, so like it, it got me into trouble. Like what I did is um, I, I, at the time there was all this kind of like visual interactive storytelling happening for the first time on the web where it wasn't just like a blog post. It was like, you know, a really cool blog post with lots of like nice visuals or interactions and stuff. And I just was so inspired by that. And I still am. I think it's amazing. And um, so I was like, what if, what if we took this and like leaned really hard into it and like had like professional illustrators and like, maybe even like programmers, like building cool interactions for, for like each story. And like the medium is not text. The medium is like the web browser or like the mobile phone where it's like, like what can you do with that? If you treat that as the end goal, not some like constrained, you know, little text box thing. And so we did create some stuff that was like amazing and got a lot of traffic and we got a lot of paying subscribers even to like read our stuff. But there's like, if you back up, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I was missing. I didn't have like a very specific, editorial vision. I didn't have a vision of how I could 
um, like talk about like a specific set of ideas for a specific set of people, right? I, uh, I didn't have an idea of like, okay, we could partner with media companies. How do we make that work? Any of those directions would have been good directions to go, but they required trade-offs, right? If we're going to go partner with media companies, what we get is like they have an editorial vision and they have distribution to an audience, but I've got to make it work in such a way that they'll actually use it, right? Which is different than like what, what we internally were willing to do. Um, or like if we had a very specific editorial vision of like a specific audience and, and a specific type of content, then like, does it make the most sense for our only thing to be this thing that's like super expensive and hard to make? I mean, you know, maybe I should have just started a newsletter or whatever. So like when you get into the specifics, it was kind of like, okay, I could create something that was really amazing from an experience perspective, but, but it didn't really make a lot of sense as a business. And so it was, yeah, it was super instructive. Um, and I think uh, really shaped how I think about things uh, now. So let's talk about, let's talk about now. So you decided you want to, you know, get a grasp on strategy and start and start something around that. Why, like, why didn't you, um, like, you know, do do business strategy a company or like get an MBA? Like, I'm curious, why did you go down this like creator newsletter route? Can you walk through the your thought process on why you chose this path to learn strategy and teach us all strategy? Yeah, I mean, so I, I've definitely struggled with that. Like, I, I I love the idea of going back and like getting an MBA. Um, I think it'd be really fun. I think there's a lot of value to it, but like, there's also a lot of cost, <laughs> like not just yeah. literally like the cost, like student debt, but like to like probably move unless I, you know what I mean? Like there's just like, there's totally. a, there's a lot of disruption in your life. And so it has to really be worth it to you. And I think if I were going to go into some sort of finance, like even like venture capital, which doesn't really require a business school degree, but like, you know, if you're doing like investment banking or like a hedge fund or something like that, or PE, like you've got to, you've got to have an MBA. Um, so if I were doing that, yeah, it'd be a no brainer, right? It's just like the price you pay. But like for what I actually do, which is like early stage company building, um, there's no, there's no point to it. It just doesn't, it doesn't actually matter to have that credential. All that matters for me is like what I learn. And so I just kind of have this inclination that um, I'd much rather do the like, get the learning value and the networking value from an MBA um, on my own through this newsletter, which has, you know, opened doors for me. It's taught me a lot of stuff. It's done, it's done a similar thing in my life as I think business school would do, but like um, I can do it from anywhere <laughs> and uh, people are paying me as opposed to vice versa. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's a big trade-off because I don't have an MBA. I'm not going to be able to say like, oh, like, yeah, I'm a Stanford MBA or Harvard MBA or whatever. Um, but like, I, I, I do have a lot <laughs> that I'm gaining from it. And I think that the freedom to kind of explore whatever topics I'm interested in and spend my time kind of like focusing on that uh, is for sure, for sure worth it to me. Um, and then, you know, why not like go into a strategy role in some sort of like company? I mean, I just think I'd be bored. I think this is more fun. Um, I, I, I'm sort of like an early stage company builder, entrepreneur, like writer. I, I mean, I love, that's the other thing is I just really love like creating things. Like, especially I love writing. And so, um, it's, it's great to do that too. Um, but yeah, definitely, de definitely feels like the right path for me in terms of, it's kind of a weird one, but 
it's it's just the most fun and the most flexible and the best uh financially i think well i would kind of argue that like most people would say oh like if you want to do what you're doing you should definitely like you're not getting an mba is like don't you be going backwards but, like i would argue you're actually living in the future like i think like like i want to kind of talk a little bit about what's happening in like kind of the overall environment of creators and monetization and, and stuff like that. Sure. But like, I think that you made it, you know, the, the absolute right move because like, I, I kind of have this thesis that the next 20 years or like 30 years are going to be dominated by brands that are people, you know, more than companies like the Gary V's, the Joe Rogan's, the, you know, AOC's, uh, you know, whether you're like any of those people or not, like I actually like think that it's the time for the people. And you decided to be like, I'm a person. I'm going to do a newsletter around like what I'm interested in. Um, so would love to hear um, one. What are your, what do you see going on in the, in like the creator world on, and I guess on two, two specific questions is, you know, you're not starting a newsletter and charging for sponsorship, right? You, you might be doing that, but like, that's not your primary thing. Your primary thing is like charging for what you're doing which is kind of this like new concept over the last five years. Why did you decide to do it like that? Which I think I know the answer, but like it leads to my second question, which is like, is that where things are going? And if so, what does the future look like when you have, you know, creators that are just creating and getting paid directly for it? Can you paint that landscape for me if you have an idea? Yeah, totally. I mean, to answer your question about why I did it, I think partially it was because, you know, right immediately before doing this, I was working at Substack. I was the first employee after they uh, finished Y Combinator. I joined uh, kind of right after they did their seed round and worked there for about a year. And uh, ultimately, like, I think my skills and interests and in, like what the company needed ended up not being a huge fit. So, so it didn't work out for me to like stay in the longer term, but I love the people and I love the business. And, um, you know, I learned a ton about making that sort of paid newsletter model work which is what Substack does obviously so like that was that was like I think a a really big reason is it was just like okay I've just like had this on my mind for a year of like seeing people do these things and like learning all the tricks and so now I'm now I'm going to do that I have this little bit of knowledge um you know it'd be good to good to make use of it so like as for like is this where things are headed generally this model I think for some people it works really really well um and there's like a confluence of shifts. One is the shift, um, I think, where a lot of media brands have a lot less power than they used to. Their brand doesn't actually mean that much. People don't go to their homepage. They don't trust them to introduce them to new stuff. There's no like soul of the thing. It was more like at one point they had access to really scarce sort of like distribution opportunities. And so just sort of by default, they became a winner. Their content didn't actually need to like it didn't exist in a very competitive environment. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of brands that kind of have that where they have some writers that are actually real stars and, and the readers are like way more loyal to those writers than they are to the publication. And so when the writer says, I'm starting a newsletter, you know, the readers are very happy to just go direct. And that writer in a lot of ways has been sort of unleashed because, um, you know, there's a way of writing for every publication that's maybe a little different than the way you would write just sort of on your own. You can be a little looser, you can be more experimental. Um, and so, so it's a, it's a very big win-win for readers and writers when a, when a writer decides to go direct. And then 
Um, so, so that's sort of like one shift. And then the second thing is like, oh, okay, so you are going direct. How do you make money? How do you, how do you pay bills? And it's just so hard to do it with ads. The scale you need is just ridiculous. And so it may work if you're like a YouTube star, um, but it doesn't work if you're a writer <laughs> for the most part. Um, there's just sort of this curve of like, uh, how many people are in your audience and like how much does each person care on average and like how much money do they have and are willing to sort of invest in this kind of thing. And for writers, it looks like usually there's like not as many people who care, but they care a lot and they tend to have more money and they're, they're willing to spend it on this kind of thing. Um, you know, whereas on YouTube or something like that, you know, in some cases podcasts, it's like, okay, there's like a lot of people that like this a little bit. And so maybe it's better to have an ad based business model because not enough people would pay if you put up a paywall. I think we're figuring out what the cases are around that. Like it was really interesting to see Tim Ferriss do an experiment where he replaced his ads with a paid subscription product. Um, he had a terrible experience with it and decided to roll it back. Um, I think the experiment was kind of flawed in some way. So like we're still kind of figuring out the line of, of when it's better to, to have an advertising based business model versus a subscription one. Um, but it's a really interesting shift. And I think for writers and podcasters who you know, want to go direct. Substack is like an amazing option. I'm obviously, I'm obviously very biased, but um, I think it'll continue to grow. Yeah, that all makes tons of sense. Um, I, I, I also think this is the, for, for the right people, for the right kind of person, you, you, I think you do have to have, be somewhat entrepreneurial, if not very entrepreneurial and have a skill, right? But I think for the right person, this is the future for them. And this is how they'll, you know, make a career and make a lot of money and have, you know, have the impact they want to have. One thing that I wonder about all the time is as, you know, let's assume that more creators want to go this route. They want to go like direct to almost like D to C, but for, I don't know, you, you can make that comparison, but get straight to the reader, straight to the listener, yeah. et cetera. Um, I have an opinion, which is not, I don't know if I like, I'm even like, I, I have an opinion that like the, the tool stack for this world is super early. Like we have, we have Patreon, we have Substack, you got Supercast and Glow, you got like all these different pl platforms that are trying, that, that their main monetization strategy is taking a cut of their of the creators what they make, which is a great way to make money. But if everyone's trying to make money that way, this is not, they're not all gonna win. It, 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 like, so my question for you is how does a creator who like is a good, let's say like even like someone like me, like I have a podcast, I have a newsletter, I feel like I could do a community if I wanted. Like I got like a little clout. How do I know how? Like how do I know? Do I use Patreon and nest that over everything as a sub stack for this and podcasting for this? Like, tell me about the stack. Do you do you know much about like different options for stacks and the future of the creator stack? Yeah, I think like I would err towards simplicity. You never want to be pushing your audience in a lot of different places, right? So consolidating all of your content for the most part in one place. I think is the way to go. And there are some there are some cases where it's like it's unavoidable. Like, you know, if you're primarily writing a newsletter, but you also have a podcast, people aren't going to listen to your podcast on the website. Like they're gonna want it in their podcast app. So there's like that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I think it's best as much as possible to have a consolidated home thing. And I I do think that's one of the things that's really strong about Substack um compared to the like podcast only options is like I think pretty much everyone with a paid subscription business, um, you know, should should run, should basically collect emails and have like sort of an email list in addition to their podcast. Um, 
And, and right. if you have a newsletter, you probably, you may want to have a podcast. A lot of times if you have a podcast, you probably want a newsletter. So like, I think it's sort of just like one tool. And, um, you know, it's really good if you already have your own website that you set up a while ago and you like don't want to replace it with Substack or whatever. But if I'm like a creator starting fresh today, like I go, I would go on a platform where uh, I can do everything. And then, um, you know, from there, it's like, okay, you could, you could do it on uh, Patreon. Patreon has like sort of private podcasting ability. Um, and, you know, if you compare Patreon to Substack, I think that, uh, I think that there's some subtle things that are, that are a lot better about Substack. I don't want to turn it into an ad for Substack though, because I, uh, I am very biased, but, I, but I'll say, I think that, I think that Substack puts your brand more front and center and focuses on your content a lot more than Patreon does. And then the associations of Patreon are more like donate to me because you're a fan and, and Substack is a lot more like I have a business here. Um, some of my content is free. Yeah. Some of it is behind a paywall. Um, and I think that's a better ethos just for the vast majority of people. Um, and, and a better way of thinking about it. That's more sustainable for everyone. Um, but yep. you know, there's a lot of other little differences too, but I think those are, two that are some of the most important well i feel like you're bringing up substack but not a lot obviously not because like like you're you're trying to like promote it but like that's kind of the player right like they they raised how much was it like like they, they, like you know 10 million or 50 million from andreessen and like this kind of seems like substack is the player of the future here and i'm just trying to decide like are they actually as me being i'm pretty entrepreneurial like I've, i'm like i, I honestly sounds like similar-ish to you like i like early stage stuff I'm like, I couldn't work for like a big company. It'd be boring. Like, like I am looking at great. Is it going to be Substack or is there another platform that is like picking up pace very quickly that can get on and like leap right or whatever. But like every day that goes by, I'm like, I think it's going to be Substack. Um, like, I think, I think it will be. And that's why I just think it's going to be like dominate a lot of these creator conversations in the future. Cause they're just, they're positioning themselves beautifully. One thing I, I have a question for you about, this is also um, about Substack, but like kind of the opposite side is you know I think Substack is great for monetizing and simplicity and 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 having an email list. But one thing that I struggle with um, with Substack versus like a ConvertKit or a Mailchimp, which obviously are aimed for different reasons, but like the anal like the analytics tracking and like the segmenting and tagging like doesn't exactly like it's not great in Substack. I'm kind of curious like do you think those are metrics of the ad model and this new model is like none of that really matters. It just matters to you subscribing or how do you think about like, like analytics for creators moving forward and what matters in the future versus what matters in the past for sponsorship stuff? Sure. I mean, it matters, right? To some extent it matters, but I'm, I'm really glad that Substack doesn't have all that stuff and I, and I don't think they should add it for a while. And I don't think, I mean, they'll add some stuff, but like, I don't think advanced analytics is like the main thing for the vast majority of creators. Uh, until you've got like, you know, several thousands probably of paying subscribers, there's some basic stuff Substack could do, right? Like A-B testing subject lines or whatever, like that I'm all in favor of. Yeah. It has like a very practical impact on, on people and you only need an email list of like a couple thousand uh, for whenever you send out like a free email or whatever, that's like your bigger list um, for that to start to become meaningful. But like in terms of like the really granular stuff, um, it's so much more important for people to accept the fact that their content is not good enough. The vast majority of people doing it, there's just one problem they have. Their content isn't good enough. And it's so tempting to spend time fiddling with all sorts of other stuff 
and to not accept responsibility for the fact that their content isn't good enough. I mean, it's just like a really basic thing. Um, if, if you're selling content, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get people to subscribe to your email list or, or pay you or whatever, the content has to be amazing. And there's just no, um, there's no substitute for that. And so, um, any amount of time that people spend fiddling around with stuff is, is, is a moment that they're taking away from figuring out how they can make their content better. And I think, I think it's so important to just spend 99% of your time thinking about how to make your content better. That's, that's actually really relevant for startups too. Like people, I mean, I, that's fascinating to hear on the newsletter front. I agree. And even with startups, like people bang against, they bang their heads against the wall. It's like, we, like people aren't using it and it's like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's product, like, you know, um, versus just like distribution. Um, so yeah, I like that. It also kind of minimizes, like you were saying, like if I have a newsletter that, you know, let's say I have like a 1% conversion rate, which is pretty low. And I want to talk about kind of those type of that type of stuff in a second. And I send a newsletter and lets me do all these tags and, you know, tagging, grouping segments. I'll spend all my, yeah. I mean, pretty much what you just said, I very much so agree with that. I think that's fascinating to think about it like that. Um, I, I kind of now want to, for, for the last, I would say like portion of the conversation, love to learn like, what have you learned? You you started a newsletter. You're not. I mean, in my opinion, you're not really that small scale anymore. Like you're you're growing. You know, you're you're like probably. I mean, this is a guess, but like among like the the top twenty five or twenty percent of of Substack creators, what have you learned? Like, what have you screwed up on? What have you learned that you're now doing that have optimized it? Like, like what's where what's your experience been like? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's all been it's all been the in the realm of like it's like a fit between what's fascinating to me, what I know about, what I have credibility to talk about and what relationships I have and, and who, um, who, who pays attention to like my Twitter or whatever. Um, and what people want to know and like what problems they're facing, what questions they have, what topics are interesting. Um, and, and that's sort of like the product market fit that I'm finding, so to speak. And, um, I think the main thing I learned, so like I started writing in December. Um, I think the, the newsletter launched on December 11th. And so it's been like four or five months or whatever. And um, I'm up to like 350 paying subscribers and like 3,500 people on the free list. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with that growth. Like it feels like, uh, <laughs> it, feel, it feels really good. It feels like kind of crazy. Like it actually is kind of working. Um, and I, I, I don't know, there's been kind of like phases and, and every meaningful phase that I can think of has been a result of me figuring out like a way of writing or a type of topic to focus on or whatever. It's just like all related to the content. Um, there's just no tricks about like how many times to send or what time of day to send or any of that kind of stuff, um, that, that end up mattering like at all. Um, it's basically just like ship consistently and, um, you know, work just like absurdly long on making, on, on making stuff as good as you can and get a lot of feedback from really smart people on what's good and what's not good in the writing. And like, I think, I think the readers will come. It's, it's really only a matter of time. So maybe the other really important lesson is to be in a position where you have, you know, six months or whatever to, to be able to kind of ramp up. Um, and so much of it too is like a very, it's a very emotional thing. It's like, do I have something of value here? Um, like, am I actually able to say something that people want? It's like so hard to, 
to to grapple with that i think and um i have found that there are moments when it's absolutely agonizing sitting down to write and trying to figure out how to like <laughs> say something that will be fascinating to people and like help people and, and be on a topic that's interesting and you know all that kind of stuff and um there are other moments when it feels great and uh i think it's all just like uh a, 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 a process that's like an emotional process and a learning process or whatever that like you just have to like go through all the cycles and like um you know it's one of those things where it's like really simple and really hard <laughs> and i think the tendency when there's something like that is to like try and make it more complicated than it is um and, and like i said like fiddle with the other stuff but it's just a very simple like it's a full-time job kind of thing i think to like make it good. It's going to take time. Nobody's stuff is going to be like amazing when they first start working on it. You've got to figure out kind of what you can write about and what people want and where they inter intersect. Um, yeah. I think it's like maybe one of the main lessons I've learned is like to listen to whatever is really interesting to me personally. Cause even if it feels like maybe it's a little bit outside of my lane or whatever, um, it's usually done well and I don't regret uh, doing it. Yeah, I that's yeah, I like that a lot. What 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 has been what have you learned since you started not on the Substack side and then the, the business side, but like you're you're diving into all these different companies like business models and Quibi and like in charging more, charging less and in like industries. What, do you mind sharing like what have been some of the things that you've learned that you've enjoyed? Obviously, you've probably enjoyed most, but like anything stick out in regards to some of your newsletters and stuff you learned? Yeah. Um, you know, one that was really fun to do kind of on this topic of like, I wasn't sure if it was in my lane, but it just felt like fascinating and, and important is like trying to understand what's going on with the economy right now. Um, it's not directly a strategy question, but there are implications for strategy and it's just fascinating. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it of just like, I just wanted to figure it out, you know? And um, like I ended up writing a piece that like, is basically like a different way of looking at how recessions happen. And it kind of uses the virus as a metaphor of like, there's this like something happens and then someone, some business or some individual is like not spending as much as they used to. And then they're, they're like lessened spending is somebody else's lessened income. And so then because they have less income, they have to spend less. And it kind of propagates through the economy in this similar viral fashion as, uh, as obviously like a virus does. Um, and like trying to use some ideas from like epidemiology to to think about um, the way that the economy works is like pretty interesting to me. And I don't position this article as like, I'm an expert. It's more like, here's some interesting, like, it's like a combo of like, you know, econ 101 and like epidemiology 101 or whatever um, with like some interesting like observations or whatever, hopefully that's, that's the, the goal is not to like, um, you know, be an authoritative source in this kind of thing. It's more like you may find this fascinating to like think through. And I think I pretty clearly label like where I'm not an expert. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think that's what made it work. Um, but yeah, that's been a fascinating one. I'm trying to think of other stuff. I mean, the Quibi one was interesting because it was an experiment in uh, trying to make a pretty bold prediction. And I think <laughs> at least, I, I think it's too soon to tell, but I think the, so the prediction was that I thought it would work. And it doesn't seem to be working that as well as I would have hoped. <laughs> so we'll see. It's too soon to call it. Um, but um, 
but it, but it's not looking so good for me on that front. I was kind of trying to t- do the contrarian take kind of a thing. So yeah, it's interesting to for sure. It's interesting to think through to think through that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's well, you know, it's all, you know what the Quibi one. You know what? Sorry, just real quick, and then so, just want to mention this with the Quibi one. The great thing about like that kind of post is that like I think you kind of like almost in some capacity sold me on that. And then you know if it doesn't happen, you know, I mean, like if they don't, if it doesn't work. It's not like I'll remember that post for my whole life. I'll like I learned I already learned stuff from that post anyways, whether it works or not. But if Quibi does somehow miraculously make it work, like like you're a legend, you know, and like everyone that read it is like, oh shit, like I I kind of knew that. So I do think that I, I personally, as a paying user, um, am a fan of the of the hot takes or the strong takes, even if they might be wrong, because I learn about another opinion that isn't as popular. Just by the way, for some user feedback. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I think that's. I think that's what I, I've been thinking about creating like an actual segment out of it called like the devil's yeah. advocate where it's basically like, look, this is probably wrong, I guess. But like, I just want to make a case that's counter to the popular opinion and make the case as strong as I can for some, you know, if everybody thinks something is doing great, I'll say why it's actually in a really weak position or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the point of it is not to predict the future. The point of it is to think through things in a more deep way. Um, and into kind of question assumptions, which is always, I think that's the, it's sort of like, you know, at the end of the journey, what really mattered was like the, the, the journey, not the destination or whatever that kind of thing is. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that's awesome to hear. And that's, that's kind of what I was hoping for is people would take it in the spirit of like, obviously no one has a crystal ball. It's just like, this is interesting to think through. Yep. Cool. Well, I, I have one more question for you. Um, and then if there's anything else you want to bring up, just about you know anything that you think might be useful to people listening, we can talk about that. But my, but like I think my last question is, you're kind of like, in my opinion, from my vantage point, kind of like a pioneer in this. I, like I kind of want to call it like I I haven't said this publicly yet, but I'm pretty interested in the word um, sub creator. I don't know why. I like I think it sounds cool. It's like it's like a machine. It's like a machine. Like our oh, sub creator, whatever. If that becomes a thing, then it's cool. But like you're kind of like a pioneer in this creator, this sub creator, this like make money from subscription world. And I think when people listen back to this in five years, they'll be like, "Damn, like what a legend!" Like he was only like he was at, he's at this now, and he was that then. So my question for you is, what tips do you have for people? just to get started, like if someone wants to break into this stuff and start a sub stack or start up, just like make money from their own ideas and, and hard work, do you have any tips for them? Yeah, totally. Um, I think the first is to find a way to make serious time for it, um, which is a big ask at first, but like, I don't think you have to treat it as like an ongoing thing. It's just like, okay, make serious time for like one post, right? And then, but like, you know, take your time with it. like. It doesn't mean take forever. It doesn't mean like use that as an excuse to not like ship it at some point. But I think there's a misconception about how long these things take. And sometimes when a writer has really developed a formula and they know a lot about a certain subject matter, they can for sure, you know, bang out a piece really quickly. But if you're just starting, you don't have that yet. So you should expect for it to take a little bit longer. Um, I mean, another another little nuanced piece of advice there is like, you know, not to make, not to take long on your first draft, <laughs> like get that out as quickly as you can and then like iterate on it. Maybe do three different first drafts that are like different ways of approaching the topic or the problem, but treat a first draft as like a pretty cheap thing. Don't, don't over edit yourself on your first draft. So that's like kind of 
some of it. I mean, there's all the classic writing advice, right, that I can like channel or whatever that this is sort of a part of. Um, but then sort of beyond that, I think it's so important to not be shy about sending your work to people. I think if you have people that you know, that you look up to and that know about the topic that you're writing about and you send your writing to them on a regular basis, um, you know, as long as you're not pushy about it, like, you know, it's fine if they don't respond or whatever, but just like, you know, you can, you can for one or two or three times, like send people stuff and um, ideally get feedback. And that's, I think, a really, really important thing. And, and, and like having a person that acts like sort of an editor for you, a friend, um, like is, is I think a really big thing, but it has to be someone who's willing to actually approach it like an editor. I don't think they need to be an expert editor, but they have to be willing to put in the work because it is real work. And it's not just like, I read it and I found a typo and like, oh, it's good. You know, that's like <laughs> the thing that people do. Um, one framework you can use for that is A, B, C, D. So you ask for, what is awesome, what was boring, what was confusing, and what did you not believe? Um, and so those are it's A, B, C, D, didn't believe is the last one. Um, so like, that's one good thing. I don't know, those are, those are, there's like a lot of advice. It's hard to kind of like compress it all into one thing because there's a lot of little things to share, I guess. Um, but like, I think maybe the like most important thing is just to like not overthink your first draft and just get started and just like start sending it to people and getting feedback and expecting that it will take like, you know, substantial time. But it's the kind of thing that um, is really is, uh, you know, if you're crazy, like worth it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like all of that. And I think those are all incredible tips for someone wanting to get started. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. My, my true final question is where can we learn more about you? Where can we find your newsletter? Are you on uh, social media? Do you have a website? Feel free to like kind of tell everyone where they can find you and subscribe and hopefully, you know, a bunch will. Yeah, totally. Uh, Twitter is the best place. So it's uh, Nathan Vachez. And then uh, my handle is N-B-A-S-H-A-W. All right. I am also a huge fan of Twitter. Twitter is like, actually, sorry, I actually do have one last question. It can be short and then we'll, sure. we'll wrap it up. What has Twitter done to your, like, you literally, you didn't give a LinkedIn, you didn't give a website, you gave your Twitter and I would have done the same. Why Twitter? What has Twitter done to you, done for you that like has made it that your, your go-to way to, way to like kind of communicate um, in this uh, uh, kind of aspect? Yeah. I mean, it's where people are, right? Like people aren't, I mean, some people are on LinkedIn, I guess, but like my people are on Twitter, I guess. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, website's great, but like, I think it's very hard to sort of like stand out on a website. Whereas when you go to my Twitter, you can see like who that follows me that you know, you know, and just like little things that yep. are like things I'm actually talking about recently. Even if you're listening to this a year from now or two or three years from now, I'm probably still going to be on Twitter. And you'll be able to find like whatever, you know, I'm talking about at the time. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's a lot better than a standalone website. And it's a lot better than any other sort of like network, you know, like my Instagram is kind of pointless. My Facebook is basically non-existent anymore. My LinkedIn, I don't ever go to LinkedIn. Um, so, so yeah, Twitter is it. I mean, it's the distribution channel for, it's sort of like top of the funnel for all of, all of my writing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. If I didn't, Twitter pretty much, 
I mean, I, I, I don't know if I want to give it all the credit, but I give Twitter like 75% credit for like where I've gotten in my career, which has been short, but like, I feel like I've done some interesting stuff and like, it's mainly because of Twitter, like the connections that I made on Twitter that have led to real life, you know? Twitter's like a city, right? Like if you grew up in like a small town yep. and then you moved to a city and you made all your friends there and you found your job there and like all that kind of stuff, like, yeah, the city deserves some credit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, it's, that's someone that lives in very far from New York or the Bay Area. It is, I do kind of live in the Bay Area through, uh, through Twitter. So with that, exactly. um, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up. So thanks for coming on the podcast, everyone. Uh, check out uh, Divination, check out, on uh, him on Twitter and just thanks for coming on Nathan really appreciate it and looking forward to seeing what you do next yeah thank you thank you for having me